Welcome back to In The Loop, a WordPress agency podcast by Blackbird Digital. I'm Corey Hugert, and in this episode, we have two special guests. First, Blackbird senior designer Jack Watson is with us today. Not only is she a fantastic designer, but she also makes frequent appearances on Adobe Live and streams every weekend on Behance. She's with me today to interview Beth Hannon, founder and CEO of BH Business Websites, an agency that designs, builds, and maintains accessible sites. She was a speaker at WordCamp US 2021 and is a co-organizer of the Bend, Oregon WordPress Meetup. Today, if it wasn't obvious, we're talking about website accessibility. Who is it for? How does it work? And how do we impress upon our business clients that accessibility is their responsibility too? Stick around and find out. If you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP. Enjoy the show. Okay. Well, uh, today on, uh, on in the loop, we have a special guest, um, uh, Bet Hannon uh, is is with us today. Thank you so much for not only being here uh, today to talk about accessibility, um, but also reaching out to us um, and saying, "Hey, you know, can I be on?" <laughs> that was that was a, a lovely thing to kind of start the year with for me, as I have kind of taken over uh, logistics and planning for uh, this podcast for someone to just reach out and go, "Hey." I want to be on the show made it <laughs> it's made things easier yep. for me so thank you um, good to be here always looking for places to talk about accessibility so. excellent and also um, we have another special guest uh today <laughs> um fellow 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 blackbird uh person uh jack, <laughs> jack watson uh designer here at blackbird and also my wife um so <laughs> jack it, Jack was particularly interested in, um, you know, being, being on the show today because she is a designer and she is thinking a lot about accessibility from, from that perspective as well. So welcome aboard. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Um, I really liked your talk at WordCamp, um, this past year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm a little starstruck today. Oh no, don't do that. Um, so yes, we really appreciate you uh, being here. So why don't we uh, why don't we let, allow you to kind of give us a bit of an introduction about yourself? You know mm -hmm. wh how you came into WordPress, how you're using it now, mm -hmm. uh, what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm Ben Hannon. I run an agency, Ben Hannon Business Websites. Uh, we do WordPress. We focus on uh, exclusively on developing in WordPress. But we, uh, within that, we kind of have some specializations with accessibility, but also with business integrations. So we do a lot of things with Gravity Forms, kind of connecting up platforms, APIs, um, specialty sort of business processes with um, automations. So, uh, but I spent a lot of time talking about accessibility because it's kind of become one of our passions. Um, I, I had a 15 plus year career in nonprofit management before I kind of fell into WordPress and freelancing and uh, then grew the agency from there. Uh, and 
uh, we got into accessibility when one of our, we had taken over helping a water district in California um, with their website, their WordPress site, and they learned that they had some accessibility requirements. And so um, we dived in with them and it really was just this amazing experience to when you, when you get a glimpse of when your site is accessible, how that creates a sense of independence and human dignity for people with disabilities. It's no longer about like just the avoiding a lawsuit or some sort of, um, you know, legal compliance, but it's really about making a difference in the world for people. That's great. And, and, you know, actually like that brings up a, a, you know, a great point about um, more and more businesses, not just, you know, sort of government affiliated agencies, but more businesses in general realizing that, yeah, they want to do a website, you know, redesign, rebuild, et cetera. Um, but they also more and more often we're seeing that they themselves recognize and put into the like requests for a proposal that the the website must follow, you know, accessibility. Sometimes they're vague about it. There's the website needs to be accessible. Sometimes they say that it needs to meet, you know, WCAG, uh, AA. Um, uh, are you, are you seeing th- that shift on your side? Are you seeing more clients come to you to rec- I mean, if you're leading well, with accessibility, partly because maybe. we specialize in accessibility, so yeah. that draws people, right? So people are already talking about that. Or we're getting, we do a lot of work with other agencies. So, uh, like you know, uh, Blackbird might get a special request for some sort of level of compliance that you don't have familiarity with yet. Probably yet is the way to say that. And then we get kind of brought in as either consultants or kind of. Um, Maybe you're, we're going to work, uh, we're going to do the implementation and you'll sort of ride along for that. Um, so we do a lot of that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, uh, it's sort of a, an increasing trend. I sometimes tell people, you know, just like, uh, you know, in 2010, people started talking about mobile responsive and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, Today, no self-respecting developer would build a website that's not mobile responsive. That that's what this will be like, right? You'll you'll see increasing requests, but it will just be what we all do in another, I don't know, four maybe not even four or five years, maybe more sooner than that. I hope, but you know, it's increasingly a a thing that we need to all pay attention right. to. Right? Yeah, that that yeah, rising tide kind of. Um, I mean, it certainly makes makes the job more complex and maybe specialized, but it makes the web better too. You know, in, in some ways it, there's a complexity about it because there's a, you know, there's a lot of those, when you start reading the WCAG, the website content accessibility guidelines, you can search around for that. And it just seems overwhelming because there's this huge list, but it really comes down to really some basic principles. I, I would say maybe about eight or 10 things, right? And and once you start getting those under your belt as a designer and or a developer, you, you just start doing them. Hmm. And in some ways, that's, uh, you know, that was the one, one of the best pieces of advice I got when we were first starting out working with accessibility was someone told me, don't ever put accessibility on your proposal or your contract as something the client can opt out of to save money because you're staking your own, uh, you know, it's your own um, values as a developer that you're not going to throw people with disabilities under the bus 
<laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that it just becomes what you do. And when uh, just like that mobile response, right? You know, so it's it's what you do, and when you start doing it, it it's really not onerous, right? If you start at the beginning and you're not, it's not something you're tacking on at the end. That becomes really hard and expensive. That's the expensive way to do accessibility is to start at the to tack it on as something at the end. But if you start at the beginning and from the very beginning of the design work, you're making sure that the color contrast is right and the fonts are right and the you know, uh, you know, all of that works together, it really doesn't become that much more complicated. Yeah, definitely. I know. Um, I've certainly been trying to find ways uh, in my workflow to hand off designs from the beginning that are uh, created with accessibility in mind. Um, I know that uh, the WCAG guidelines are pretty, they're pretty technical. Um, and I guess, yeah, a question from my side, which you've kind of already answered, is like how we as designers can can set up our designs for success in WordPress, um, not just from not just from a, I guess, the you know visible you know visible user interface side of it, but also like the um, experience. Of design, like set it up so that it, it's uh, easier for developers to implement those sort of accessibility solutions. Yeah, so you know, part of part of what you're talking about is um, we we think of um, w when you're when you start including accessibility, it's really just broadening the way you think about users and user experiences, right? You may have in mind a particular persona. Mm -hmm. that you're designing for but you know in reality good designers have multiple personas you're designing not just for the person sitting in a well-lit office on their desktop you're also thinking about mobile devices and maybe mobile devices in the bright sun mm -hmm. or people that are um you know have dis lots of distractions going on around them. So you're, you're thinking about multiple personas, but then, you know, accessibility is just really adding a couple more personas in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. So that now you're thinking about someone who's not visually interacting, but is simply using their keyboard to listen to things. Right. And so once you understand a little bit about how, how a screen reader works, it just becomes another persona so that you're, you're putting things together um, in, um, in ways that really make things more available to everybody. Yeah. Screen readers are a very interesting technical challenge. There's like this balance to strike between uh, being helpful or being like uh, annoying as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like over the top. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you? Um, so we, uh, it, one of the most interesting things, you know, we, uh, so there are multiple screen readers. Usually they're very, they're, they have tended historically to be very expensive. There's a, a relatively newer one. It's been around for a little bit now, but uh, called NVDA, Non-Visual Display Access. It's open source. So as designers, developers, we can download NVDA and you can get, you can play with it on your own machine. Oh, it just drives me nuts anytime it comes <laughs> on by mistake because it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's super, can be super annoying. But, um, you know, we, we'd done that and we'd been working and doing a little testing with screen readers. And then I think it was, might've been like two years ago now. Um, I connected up. So I'm usually based out of Oregon. 
I connected up with the Oregon Commission for the Blind um, and found the person that does the screen reader training for for people in my state. Right. And we sent our developer to do screen reader training. Hmm. And it was this eye opening thing because, um, you know, people who actually depend on screen readers use them differently than we might assume. Hmm. Right. So, for instance, you know, the, the kind of standard thing is they usually have it, the speed of it just jacked up. You know, if I listen to my podcast at time and a half, and that's about all I can usually. Right stand but sometimes people who are using screen readers have that turned up to four or five times wow. normal level it's just super fast and that's a piece of what they just learned to do to manage better and then uh so there's that that's just kind of a, t- a typical thing but they surf through they, they they're they're reading the headings and the links that, that that's it just like <laughs> if you stop to think of it, it's just that's what vi- people are doing visually right, anyway, right. right? It's just surfing, it's just it's scanning kind of, the, yeah. the headings and the links, right? But, um, you know, just being able to kind of get a sense for what that really was like was really eye-opening for us. And began we began to think about how we put things together differently. Um, but, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think sometimes people uh, know they need to add things like alt text, but it's not always written in a, in a way that ends up being particularly helpful. Um, yeah. If it ends up we being a, you know, too long. And we have <laughs> a, uh, yeah, we have a, uh, a, a post on our website blog about writing alt text and uh, that's, that's, we can put it in the show notes. Yes, please. I'd love to have that link. So, we'll, yeah. we'll link to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's hard, but it's hard. I mean, you know, that water district that we work for, we kind of constantly struggle with, Part of what they had, it's an agricultural water district, which is different than consumer based, mm. right? So tons of graphs and charts on their website. What do you do for right. graphs? and? I mean, graphs and charts have to have, anytime there's a table related stuff, you have to properly label, all, you know, in semantic HTML, you got to label all of those pieces. But if it's a graph or a chart, oh, we're just always wrestling with yeah. how to do that in a way that's going to help them meet compliance. You have to like, yeah, kind of decide, you know, is it more, how does this work within the context that it lives? Like what information is going to be too much or like, you know. Yep. Yeah. You're not going to read out all the data points right. for sure. Right. But then are you, and, and then it's like, are, if I'm going to summarize, well, it shows increasing revenues or increasing water usage over time. Well, then I get into, well, okay, am I. But that's my assessment. Right. How much am I putting into my, in there? Right. It's like my spin on it. Right. So I was just working. Um, I'm honestly just yesterday with you know put uh, using uh, Chart.js to just output output interactive you know charts uh, on a site. And now I uh, now I feel I need to go back and and see what how that reads out because I don't I don't know how yeah. the the JavaScript library is handling accessibility. Honestly, um, I didn't even well. Consider- and does it. Yeah, does it provide a way for you to put descriptors in there that are going to be available to the screen reader? Right. That's um, a good question. I, I need to go double check that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> More work. Uh-huh. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, so I guess speaking uh, speaking about, I mean, I guess we're kind of speaking about content here. So, and, and you know, talking, we're talking about, you know, how we can, 
how we can how we can prop up a site you know we're we're doing a redesign for a site and how we can prop it up for success uh in 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 this aspect of being accessible um do you have any advice for us about the sort of the long haul right like handing those keys over to the client you know what kind of I, I I hate to say it this way, but but how can we make them understand that the way that they input content after we hand it over is still important? Yep. Yeah. And maybe there are some tips that you know we can more clearly express to them. Like here here is like the top five things that you just need to keep in mind. Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, I would say the um, there are two or three things that are just the like Even better. like. Like the the biggest chunk. So, well, let's back up. Let's say, okay. So first of all, it's important to understand that that in WordPress especially, there are theme-related accessibility issues, things like color contrast and is the menu, um, uh, keyboard navigable, is the, you know, th things related to the theme and things that are in the content. So things like alt text on images and heading tag nesting and um, th that sort of thing. Um, link text. I would say, um, for and you're talking about that content-related thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a couple of things. Um, one is that we can tell the client, you know, pretty much there are three big things that would would cover. I, I would say like 80 to 90 percent of content accessibility issues, and that is make sure your images have alt text and good alt text. So we'll link back to that. Mm -hmm. How to do good alt text. Um, make sure you're heading, you're using headings and not bold and italics, that you're properly nesting those headings, uh, H tags, right? And so a lot of times, especially people that aren't necessarily HTML savvy or don't understand that you don't pick the headings based on how you want things to look, right? You're picking the headings because it's properly, you can make them look anyway. The, the H32 and the H3 and the H4 can all look exactly the same in the design if you want them to but they need to be properly nested yeah that's definitely um, something that we we've hopefully addressed but you know maybe still need to kind of get across to the clients because we've got kind of yep. a system for like styling the heading tags in the style of you know h1 through six but you need to yeah. apply the proper so tag in some ways uh it, it maybe you could think about this. I hadn't thought about it until just this moment. Find a way to turn off the H1 tag in the in the editor. Because in WordPress, you, you want one and only one H1 on the page. And in WordPress, that's always the page or post title. So if we could turn off H1, that would start them off at the right place anyway, right? But but and let me finish. The third thing is um, is figuring out link text. So mm. you want to make sure that the the text that you make into the link is not ambiguous, that people know where they're going. It tells people where they're going because they're going to surf it out of context. So if you know that they're going to surf to it and read it out out of context, then you need to be clear about where it goes. It should never be click here more info or click yeah. here. Or yeah, exactly. And you should never have it be the same on this. You know, you should have multiple ones of the same on the mm. same page, right? So those three things would be 80 to 90% of the content. 
One way that you can start to put up, I, I sometimes think about it as sort of bowling bumper guards, right? <laughs> it's a, you can, uh, there, are, there are plugins that you can put into the site. So one of the ones that we really like is um, Equalize Digital makes a, a plugin called Accessibility Checker. And so you, you install this plugin on it. The, there's a free level and then there's a paid level. And so uh, you install it on the site. And then what it does is that it's specifically focused around um, checking those sorts of content things. So the content parts of accessibility are, are just really, that's the sweet spot for AI checking, right? So it, it'll check, you know, is everything nested properly? Is all, or do you have alt text? Do you, you know, or what's the link text look like? And it'll, it'll do a little check. And if there's a problem before you publish, it will, it will come up with a little kind of suggestions. Mm -hmm. So it's giving them like little reminders to kind of come back and do that. So, you know, the, I would say that's those couple of things, that education piece, and then kind of like the little bumper guards for, yeah. Yeah, I, I I would like to make a note that the 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 core heading block in Gutenberg defaults to H2. You can still select H1 though. Um, I haven't looked in yeah. to see if you can turn it off, but I might maybe consider that. The, the The only thing that makes me hesitate there is because, and and this is kind of this is kind of some bleeding edge stuff, at least for us, anyways, here. But the the advent of the the full site editor or as we're calling them block themes or, or whatever um that's true more, i hadn't thought of that okay. more and more you know more and more um <laughs> control is is being you know just by default handed over to the user um with more ability to build their site instead of just add content and you know there are there are ways for us as theme developers to lock certain aspects of that down we can still create the theme using blocks without those, you know, those yeah. uh, templates being editable or whatever, but it's something to, something to keep in mind, I think, but I don't know what the answers are yet. Yeah. See, we, we tend to work with more, uh, mid size and larger companies mm -hmm. where there are, anytime there are multiple content creators, generally speaking, folks want to lock some of that down. So Absolutely. that there's not opportunity to create more problems. But yeah, accidentally. All kinds of ways you up. can. Yeah, but you know, you can. There are ways you can sort of guide people, even large organizations. So we, uh, you know, we. I'm familiar with. There's a um, one California city that had a WordPress site, and we were kind of um, talking with them uh, a little bit. But you know, one of the things they do is they have hired. It's there's a ton. There's like 50 content creators, right? So they have uh, an external scanning source, people that uh, a service that's scanning through. So instead of using that plugin on the backside, because that allows the user to sort of opt out, right? You can say ignore, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they do an external scanning service. The external, it's using its AI to scan. It, anytime there's somebody that's put in inaccessible content, it flags it, it notifies uh, there's a notification system. The that user has to go back and fix it. Okay, so think about it's you're you're motivating people to do it right the first time by knowing if I do it wrong, I'm going to have to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the first time, I think it's it's a you know no no harm no foul. The second time, there's they start putting notifications in your uh, HR file, and eventually, if you keep doing it, you can get 
like, oh, right? Dang. Because there's a high yeah. motivation for the city not to get sued. So, you know, it's a, you know, uh, but, you know, that whole piece of, oh, I'm putting in content. I know that I'm going to have to come back and fix it if I don't do it. I'm Let me just learn how to do this right the first time. So, yeah. Do you, um, do you ever, working with that many kind of content creators, um, do you ever work with companies to come up with like content guidelines for? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we do, and we do training with folks to, uh, you know, uh, about putting in accessible content. Sometimes we will work with folks to create, I mean, <laughs> there, there are way, ways that you can build out ways that content creators can not mess stuff up. Right. So, um, so for instance, that water district we have, they put out a cust they, they put out a newsletter that's different than things that were going in their blog. Right. So they, what they want to do is, uh, well, because sending things out in MailChimp or constant contact or all of those notoriously prob problematic with accessibility. So, um, so instead you're going to create that newsletter in the, on the website page, make it accessible. And then pretty much your email then just becomes a notice, come view this on the webpage. Okay, so that gets around that accessibility issue. But now it's got to be accessible on that page. So then we create a custom post type that really forces them into this is where the title goes. And then in the back end, we fixed it. So the title is always going to be accessible. This is where the article goes. This is where that content goes. Here's the link for this. Here's the So it just really st highly structures it so that it will always be accessible. Mm. Definitely, um, but definitely. not everybody has budget to do that with <laughs> <laughs> with their right. You know, it's 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 funny. I mean, even the 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 budget consideration because you know with with you know Gutenberg and that sort of thing, it it's um, it's made editing the site a lot more interactive and 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 visually similar to what you're expecting. Uh, you know, to output and that sort of thing. But, but, and on, on the other hand, there were some old school practices of, you know, before, before that, where we just, here's a bunch of fields, fill them in, hope they go where they're supposed to go. Um, yeah, and increasingly we're moving away from that. Um, however, there's still, there's still an opportunity to create a sort of lockdown template in block format where they oh, sure. know that they need to put things in in these places. You might not even be able to move them around or add anything, and it's already structured for you visually. So something to think about. Hmm. Um, I want to get back to... Um, I want to get back to plugins, actually, since we just kind of spoke about them a little bit. Um, I know uh, that there might have been some some drama recently about maybe not plugins specifically but um i know some of the plugins um are uh what do you call it um jack help me Overlay? out here. yes yes there's some not so great ones you can also use <laughs> um and yeah. the the international association of accessibility professionals got in some some trouble yep. on twitter uh recently <laughs> Yeah, they did. So let's back up. Let's talk. Uh, so an overlay plugin um, is a plugin that you put into your site. Um, so there are 
more than a dozen of them, but the ones you might have heard of are Accessibi or mm. UserWay. Accessibi also gotten into some trouble. <laughs> yep. And so what they do, um, and they they purport to when you add this to, I mean, what they do is they l- go onto your site, and then they are supposed to use their AI to on the fly fix accessibility issues on your website. So things like fixing your H tags or, you know, those sorts of color contrast, I supposedly are, you know, some of those pieces that AI is able to do. Mm, I, uh, I think they, some of them try to, uh, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's AI. So they're guessing, Mm -hmm. right. And so uh, AI can be spot on and AI can be wildly off. Right. We had a, we had one of the best examples we had one time was a, uh, AI generated an alt text for it. The image was a 20, 30 something man on the beach with a child, like so father and child on the beach, whatever. Um, and the AI was people in scary masks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like the most so, peaceful, serene image. In the- <laughs> That's what it came up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. So, you know, so it's it's AI, right? And AI finds, and you can use AI accessibility checkers, and that'll kind of get you, I mean, for stuff like that. But those checkers and that AI only gets you about 30% of accessibility issues, right? They're not, um, an AI cannot tell you whether your site has a keyboard trap, meaning you get stuck in the search box, Right. Or if you get search stuck in a carousel, right? So AI can't tell you those things. So out of the box, they're only going to be able to fix or uh, address 30% of your accessibility issues. But their marketing tactics, and they have been marketing everywhere because they've received huge infusions of venture capital. So they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, their marketing is we will fix your access. All you need to do is install our plugin and pay us $89 a month or whatever it is. And we'll fix your issues. Well, you know, if you stopped paying them, the issues would be there, right? So the first thing is stop creating more issues, like learn what you need to do and stop creating more issues. Right. But it is a quick fix and we all love quick fixes, but they don't fix all the issues and the implication it's kind of there's sort of some of the snake oil that's sales tactics right, right so now. that's it is that it's it'll fix everything but also there's kind of been some implied thing that they would stand up with you if you got sued mm-hmm. which is not the case they do <laughs> not stand up with you and and if you start to read the fine print they will somewhere in there tell you that there may be things that they don't fix but you've got to be super savvy looking for all of that so that's one thing um the second thing is those overlay plugins if if a person is blind and uses a screen reader they already have that on their machine. If they are legally blind and use a screen magnifier, which this is one of the tools that those, those overlay plugins put a little widget down in the bottom usually. If, if, the, if I need to use a magnifier to use the you web, already I already it. have that yeah. on my machine, mm-hmm. right? So this is kind of a little bit about performance accessibility, right? You just want other people to know that you're doing that because if you... Uh, what happens is that those overlay plugins can conflict and clash with the actual tools that I use everywhere else. 
and render neither of them working. Mm -hmm. So they actually create more problems often for people with disabilities than they solve. And in fact, a number of people with disabilities say publicly that they block the IP address for accessibility or user so that they don't have to oh, deal with yeah. that. So if if the people you're purporting to help are blocking the IP, <laughs> blocking the tool that you want to give them, that should tell you something right there. So so they're, they, these plugins do not have a very high estimation within they they're routinely rejected by people with disabilities and honestly if we're trying to make things more accessible, we should be listening to people with disabilities, right, about what's helpful and what's not helpful to them. So um, we we should not be doing that. And so then the International Association of Accessibility Professionals, which is the accreditation agency uh, uh, organization for, for accessibility credentials. Um, I think they're you know, you, the only group that yes, has accreditation, currently. yeah. Yeah, currently. So they, this is an organization you can not only get the credential from, but you can pay to be a member of, right? You can join and then support that work and support, you know, accessibility, accessibility education. And, the, you know, there's some, a lot of things you can do. Well, then it came to light that they were taking the money, allowing as members, these overlay plugins mm -hmm. and people had raised that issue before and there was an internal conversation happening when it was just that but then the um kerfuffle on twitter came up because the organization started tweeting out uh or amplifying blog posts for audio i and some others that were uh you know so it's really that really implied a level of support for the overlay plugins that i think people were really having some I think quite rightly some strong reaction to and so um but anyway yeah it's a it's a kind of a mess if you want to know more about uh overlay plugins um great website is overlayfactsheet.com and that will give you a lot more information than I've been to able to hear about what the overlays are how they work what the problems are with them uh, identifying a list of what overlay plugins are, because sometimes it's really hard to know what they are. And it's not even that overlays in and of themselves are bad. Um, uh, if they're done properly, they can help make things more accessible if they stay out of the way, right, uh, doing these. And there is a kind of a use case. So so there are a few um, overlays that really are um, really market themselves as, Look, if you've if you've got a lawsuit pending and you need to make 10,000 blog posts accessible, use this overlay for, you know, as an interim while you get that done. Right? There's just there's a there's an there's a scale that you've got at some point, right, mm -hmm. in terms of the accessibility issue. And so some of those tools that have a limited focus to them actually can be quite helpful, but again, they're they're intended, those are intended as a sort of a stopgap measure while you fix everything else. I guess that gets back to the, you know, having a good accessibility policy that's kept up to date says here's what we're working on right now, maybe. And yeah. So, so generally, yeah, we, um, we, I do promote, I mean, you know, Hardly accessibility, what people try to do with those little widget things on there, there is kind of, there's a little performative piece to it. That's, mm -hmm. that's about 
Um, look at us. We're trying to be inclusive, right? But if you really want to be inclusive, what you would do is you would create a policy. You would first address, start addressing those issues, right? Start making and start with the most trafficked pages of your site or the most traffic posts on your site. Make sure those are accessible. Get to work. Have a plan for making the rest of it accessible. And then, you know, make an accessibility policy. And pretty much your policy needs to say three things. It says, first of all, we want everybody to be able to use this website. We want this website to be universally available, accessible to people, right? We, that's what we want. We want everybody to be able to use this. Number two, we are, we are working at bringing our website up to WCAG 2.1 AA standards. This is, and so you're identifying what, what your goal is. You might not be there, but this is what our goal is. If you encounter issues with accessibility, please email us at, you know, bring it to our attention. So it's, it's really about like, bringing bringing a sense of a, this is our goal but we know we're not there yet and, and in reality no website is 100% accessible right not just you know you can address uh the the needs for blind users uh but what if you have a blind user who also has ADHD right mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know you start to get uh, we we say comorbid mm-hmm. sort of um, uh, places where people have difficulties, right? So it, there's there's a level at which you have to realize it's impossible to make something 100% accessible. Should you stop trying to strive and increasing that? No, but right. But you're going to to, to look at what we were talking earlier about personas. You're going to look at the the kind of uh, more common issues, address the low hanging fruit, get the, get everything, having alt text, you know, making sure that things are uh, working properly for, for some of those basic issues. And, and then you're going to keep working at that. And hopefully people will come to you rather than, and then, you know, you, I don't know that you have, it, it's sort of like uh, you can't say to the officer, you know, I didn't see the speed limit sign, but you know, at least you've, established here's here's what we would like you to do we would like for you to email us that you're having a problem mm-hmm. and let us have a chance to address it rather than first initiating the lawsuit right right so um i, I don't know whether that really gets gets you out of the lawsuit <laughs> but you know it's kind of like you're inviting that sure. right and that's that's actually an investment in your brand right and in it quite honestly accessibility is is not just it, it can be an investment in your brand because there are a lot of values driven folk who are have concern right it's not just investing in will you make your website usable for people with xyz disabilities but also you know if i have people i care about who have disabilities then i'm always thinking about where are they included or not included and so those values that you're putting out there's an investment in your in your brand but not in a performative way that actually impedes that undermines it, right? Sure. That seems tone deaf, right? Yeah. So, so let's, because um, a lot of this has to do, right, again, with the sort of long haul of, uh, you know, from our perspective, our clients' um, responsibilities um, yep. as a steward of, of of their own brand, of their own presence. Um, I, you know, even, even with clients coming to us now with a requirement that uh, the site should be accessible. It should even meet a, a particular, you know, accessibility level. 
um, you know, that kind of makes it seem like, you know, it's, it's the develop the design and development agency's responsibility to make a site accessible and to an agree, right. We have to build it, you know, yep. you, you, you know, to, to, to have that kind of baseline. Right. But, uh, and, and I don't want to, you know, repeat, we've already talked about content and all that sort of stuff, but it, it, it's, it's very likely that the client might not even understand what their responsibilities even are. And we might be able to tell them, we might get, be able to give them those, you know, here's the top three things, but what is like the, what is like the elevator pitch, right. Of, of, you know, even if they're asking for it, like, well, well, here's all the things that you probably need to keep in mind about accessibility and your role into it or, you know. Well, that's not where I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go <laughs> toward uh, some kind of release of liability because mm. I think as, a devel as developers and designers, your contract should have a release of liability that acknowledges that the ultimate responsibility for making sure the website is accessible is with the site owner. Noted. So, and there is, uh, if you remind me, we can get the link. There's a link to, um, before the WordCamp US talk I gave, uh, Ryan Kinney, who's a uh, intellectual property lawyer um, and does a lot of stuff with WordPress folks. We worked on a, a kind of um, release, a template for release of liability. This is what you could put in, in your, in your uh, contracts. And we definitely do that. Even when we do an audit, right, for accessibility, we can't guarantee that we're getting everything. We can't guarantee where um, it'll be there. And then acknowledging that con anytime someone edits your website, it can go out of compliance. So making sure that you note that it's it's the, the client's responsibility. Um, in terms of how do you make people understand that it is their responsibility? Well, I think that's one way that that's you can do that is contractually yeah. and say, uh -huh this is your responsibility legally you, and that, you know, you're releasing us from liability. Um, I think uh, another way is to, uh, it, and, and to put in your contract that, that we will build this site out to uh, as uh, to the best of our ability to WCAG 2.1 AA standards. Um, and then you get that release of liability, but then when the client comes back, and pushes back on something. No, I want, uh, I want that. I don't, I don't like that darker color. Uh, then we come back with an additional release. Of, uh, what I do uh, is come back with an additional release of liability. You have been informed that this color, this hex code, and this color font do not meet minimum accessibility standards according to this, blah, blah, blah. There may be other issues where we notify you that you do not meet standards. You, uh, you confirm that you are releasing us from liability. And in addition, that if you are sued, you will pay all of our related legal expenses. Mm. Now, because... If they do get sued, there will almost certainly be depositions. It'll almost certainly be not in your hometown. You'll, you know, uh, things are changed a lot with COVID now. We don't have to like, uh, they're not demanding people be on site as much as they used to, right? You can sure. do things, but there'll be expenses and time, right? That you're going to have to give to that whole business, right? So you're, when you say now you got to pay for my expenses related to your getting sued now, because you are not following my advice nine times out of 10 people will go oh i guess i should pay better and more attention to that okay i'll, I'll go with mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. but occasionally they won't and i've been really surprised that 
there are a few occasions where like, no, no, no. We fought long and hard over that color for the color scheme and we've got to keep it. I'm like, okay. You've, you've signed off. Yeah. You've, you know, uh, it's no skin. Up, you know, it's sort of right. like, uh, not my thing. We will not be putting you in our accessibility portfolio anymore, <laughs> but you know, um, Fair, yeah. but you know, it's kind of a, a way that you up the ante in terms of helping them understand that they have a legal responsibility here. Um, but more broadly, to begin to do some better education, even before, I would say, even in the part of the, as part of the sales process, this is what we do. We include this in everything we do. And why would you want to do this? Right. Well, a and almost everybody talks about not getting sued. Right. Mm -hmm. The people who are coming to you asking for this aren't really thinking about the broader things. They're mostly thinking about not getting sued. Absolutely. But, but you, I mean, you you want to help them learn. This is about expanding your audience. The CDC estimates 25% of all U.S. adults have some disability. That's a huge expansion of your website audience if you make this accessible. Why would you not want to do that? When you make your website accessible, you almost always improve the SEO. You can pay experts a lot of money to try and do that. Why would you not want to bake in the accessibility to do that? When you make your site accessible, you improve the user experience for everybody. Uh, not just people with permanent disabilities, but people with temporary disabilities. Maybe I've broken my hand and I can't use a mouse for a while, but that's, and we say sometimes that's a temporary impairment rather than a disability, right? I have a temporary impairment. Maybe my temporary impairment is that I'm trying to use my phone while I've got a wiggly baby on the uh -huh, other hip, uh -huh. right? Maybe it's just a situation where I, I'm just not going to have a user experience is a little challenged, right? But if you've made it accessible, you know, that improves that user experience for everybody. That's the curb cut effect. That's what I like to call it. It's like curb cuts for people with wheelchairs, but people with strollers use those, right? Mm. People hauling their luggage use those, right? Mm -hmm. It improves that experience for everybody. And it's an investment in, you know, we talked about an investment in your brand, but it's an investment in your current customers because all of us, are going to start uh, noticing some shifts in our vision as we're increasingly over 50, right? Um, <laughs> you're, if you want to keep those current customers, you want to give them a good user experience, you know, so, and quite honestly, it's an investment for yourself. The likelihood that you will need some of these accommodations at some point is fairly high. Uh, so, you know, invest there too. So all of those reasons for making things accessible, I hope will, encourage yeah. us all to keep working at this. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, maybe it's a little bit unfortunate that you kind of sometimes have to just bring it back to how to, how to convince able-bodied people that it's useful and give them reasons why they might be able to use it. But you know, it's a, it's a way to, it's a way to present it, right? It's a way to the, convince. The, this is the, yeah, we were just talking about the business Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. And and the big one that should never be forgotten is the is the moral case, right? That it's just the right thing to do. It's it's treating other people like you would like to be treated. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, speaking yeah. of the business case, um, you know, we you know, Blackbird has been doing sites for fifteen years now. Um, and we might not have always had some of these things in mind. Um, but we still have clients from, you know, years and years, um, going back to 
going back to their sites that we've built previously you know maybe maybe there haven't been concerns raised necessarily but um but uh you know and jack i think you have a really amazing quote somewhere from a book i um but you know what 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 about going back to to sites mm-hmm. um that have already been built what is yep. there is there is there any possibility to re- revive those things i, I want to give actually well, jack i want to give you an opportunity to read that quote because it's really oh great. it's really long we don't need to read it <laughs> it's from laura call uh kale bags uh accessibility book on a list apart or a book apart so yeah and it's more like you know if you start with accessibility you're going to build things in a more user-friendly way for everybody, that whole user experience for everybody, as opposed to sort of tacking it on at the end, right? And it becomes an ugly, unused thing because it's sitting way over, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know that quote. And uh, so a couple things. Uh, one is we've already talked about the difference between content and the theme. And the content stuff may need to be revi- uh, reme- remediated. We talk about remediating things, right? So the content things can be remediated um, some of that and the amount of work that that will take just depends somewhat on, you know, what's there and how that content is displayed. Um, if you're, and then if you're talking about the theme side of things, so things like, uh, does the theme have a skip links, right? Is the menu accessible? Uh, so is the, is the menu, uh, you know, keyboard accessible, uh, in terms of, uh, navigating the menu. So a, a couple things with that. One is it's entirely possible to go and remediate anything. The question is, what's the most cost-effective thing to do, really? Right, right. So generally speaking, we would say the lifespan of a particular design or theme might be three to five years. Seems about right. Maybe six or seven if you're lucky, right? If you were avant-garde when you did it first up, right you know so so if uh, and my kind of rule of thumb is you know if you are really only a year or two out from from that redesign it probably makes more sense just to bump up the redesign and do it in an accessible way if you are um, a little, you know, but that's kind of, there are just so many little things, right? It just sure. depends on what's under the hood. But yeah. that's kind of my general rule of thumb. If it doesn't have, if this, if it doesn't already have skip links, if it's a little funky with the menu, you're probably just better off do it, bumping up the redesign. But um, and then I would say, if you are a design, a digital agency, there is some opportunity here to come back and educate your clients with what you are learning and just say, you may have heard about website accessibility. Um, maybe you've heard about lawsuits. Let me educate you about some other reasons to make your website accessible. This is something um, we designed your uh, site, you know, four years ago, you're going to want to get this on your radar for another, you know, 12 to 18, 12 to 24 month thing. Start planning. Right. Yeah. Right. Give the heads up, start planning. We are educating ourselves so that we can do this for you when the, when you get ready to do your redesign. 
good advice i think bring i mean it's also good business business advice too right yeah <laughs> um, yeah you get you but but doing that education where you're helping them understand how this is important while also not saying you must do this this week right <laughs> or creating you don't what you don't want to do is do is fuel the fear right you really want to fuel the educated this is this is a good thing for my business to do in more broad those broad terms right but doing laying that groundwork for for moving forward in another x number of times and it, you know if you discover that what you've been building for example and the, you've been building on a fairly accessible framework you know we use the genesis framework for example if you if you discover you've been building on a framework and really the only thing you need to do is retrofit the you know uh, skip links on a on a site um, maybe you come back and pitch just that project mm -hmm. right if it's a simple thing if you've really realized that it's just one or two small things that really are needed for the theme side of the equation right um, so I, I, I have a question that I really want to get to before we break, but Jack, I want to give you uh, um, an opportunity to ask any additional questions from you know the design perspective or, or just anything, really. Yeah, I don't know that I have any particular specific question in mind. I just, um, I think overall, right, we, we've talked about accessibility all around as like this thing, right? But it's really about just presenting your users the content in a way that they want to receive that content, whatever that means for them. So I think that we can all relate to that, whether we're, you know, abled or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, it's really yeah. about giving users options. And I think we're seeing that a lot more with, um, you know, websites offering a dark mode option or light mode, for, like giving users the choice on how they receive your content, I think is really um yep important I'm definitely and, team and, dark mode <laughs> yeah and and we talked primarily in terms of things like you know people who use screen readers or people who have key you need to use keyboard navigation but you know accessibility starts to include things like reading disabilities anxiety and depression people with anxiety and depression give up on these long kind of processes mm -hmm. right how can you create things in, in ways that uh, you know a, a person will be able to use it so it's thinking more broadly than just sort of our classic accessibility pieces of you know mobility impairment uh, disabilities and and blindness or or deafness in the case of videos right video transcripts but but you know more broadly around uh, people who have um, reading disabilities you never want to full justify your text because it creates those kind of mm -hmm. they call it the rivers of white in the mm -hmm. inside the text right so all of those kinds of things too that it's that it's really starting to think exactly what you were saying of how can you make this um, the easiest to the content easy for the person to consume no matter what their situation. Absolutely. I'm really glad that we touched on that. Thank you. Um, so the question that maybe, maybe I shouldn't be most excited about asking, but this, 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 this year, I, I want to have a focus in particular when we're, when we're, you know, having, having these interviews and discussions, I, the past two years, right. Have been rough on all of us, of course. And, um, you know, we talked a lot last year about how, you know, the, the situation was affecting all of us. Um, 
But I want to talk uh, a little bit more this year uh, about, you know, setting aside the hyper productivity. And I want to know what you do to get away from work, to get away from WordPress and get away from the business. And what, what do you enjoy doing and, and give, give us some, you know, give us some ideas about living life to the fullest. Yep. So, um, normally I'm at home in Bend, Oregon, and what I really love doing most is just getting out in nature. And that location in Bend gives me some great opportunities to get out hiking and camping and snowshoeing in the winter. I don't ski. There's a big ski resort there, but I don't ski. But I snowshoe and do all that. That's normally. But but um, I'm actually talking to you from an Airbnb in Illinois. And, you know, one of the joys of having a remote agency, we've been fully remote for forever, um, is that you can pick up and move your business wherever. I'm in Southern Illinois because we had a grandbaby born Congratulations. Uh, five weeks ago. Um, and uh, this is the second time we've done that. Her older sister was born in May of 2020. We came out, we spent a little bit of time with them, we're doing that, and then we leave here in two weeks to go to Ohio, and our other daughter's having our third wow. grandbaby out there. So, you know, we're on this five-month sojourn. We've been here since the beginning of January, and uh, we're we're getting ready to, you know, move on to Ohio, and then sometime in, you know, late May, we'll make our way back to to Oregon. But, you know, it is, that's a really cool thing, too, just to feel like you have the connection to family and uh, and be able to pick up. We haven't been able to come out nearly as much as we would like and do the travel. And that's the other thing we really love to do. I love to travel. So mm. um, so being able to travel more to see these babies, but also to, you know, be um, just being traveling, doing. Uh, I love <laughs> loved going to word camps and I intentionally pick and I've missed that a lot. And I intentionally pick cities I want to travel to because you can nice. write, a, I know, I go to Word Camp <laughs> Paris and go to Word Camp London and go to, you know, uh, wherever and, uh, you know, write off some of those expenses and have some great travel experiences mm. and meet That's a good amazing strategy. people, you know, meet <laughs> amazing people. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, I've met, um, uh, I won't name him, but, you know, I, I had gone to Word Camps enough. I've met this guy, uh, w- works for a fairly well-known uh WordPress related company, uh, but he lives in Yorkshire in England and he, in the great Britain. And, uh, he would say my little village in Yorkshire. I said, Oh, you better be careful. I'll come visit you in your little village. And he's like, <laughs> bring it on. So we went in 2019, my, uh, my wife and I went, did a tour of Scotland and then we went to Yorkshire and, and we stayed nearby. We, you know, had, ate some meals, but you know, picked his kids up from school and took them to cricket practice. And they tried to explain cricket to me (laughs) and, uh, you know, but just this lovely sense of you get, you're connecting with people all over the world. Mm. And, um, I I just love that sense of community. And, um, you know, that's part of why I kind of keep reaching out to do these podcast Mm -hmm. interviews because I get to talk to people and, uh, you know, get acquainted with people all over. And, uh, and that keeps me from burning out. You know, I'm, I'm fairly remote. I've always been remote. And so, you know, those kinds of things, you just have to be intentional about connecting um, with people. So, Well, let me, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, preemptively welcome you to Ohio. <laughs> That's our neck of the woods. <laughs> oh, so where are you guys? We're, we're near Cleveland. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. Um, we, we do have an office or, you know, well, we do, we do have an office, but we 
haven't been in there <laughs> for yeah. quite a while um in in willoughby so um so yeah welcome and enjoy your thank stay thank you thank you all right well i think that's about all the time that we have today unfortunately but this has been an absolute pleasure um oh. i i'm sure jack agrees oh yeah it's a lot of fun thanks for i having have me. probably a million more questions i would ask <laughs> you but <laughs> that's okay <laughs> We'll, we'll have to save it for Bring another, it yeah, for <laughs> another it time. <laughs> uh, thank you, Bet, so much for joining us. And of course, thank you, Jack, as well. Uh, really appreciate seeing some uh, other faces around here. So uh, yeah, um, we'll, we'll sign off. Take care. That's all for this episode. Thanks to Beth Hannon for reaching out to have this insightful conversation. You can find her at bhmbizsites.com and as Beth Hannon on Twitter. If you have something you'd like to chat with us about, don't hesitate to reach out. Mark your calendars now for WordPress Accessibility Day, happening November 2nd and 3rd, 2022 at wpaccessibilityday.org. Join us next time for another special guest interview with Ali Nimmons of Bedia Productions, a maintainer of the WordPress 5 Essentials course on LinkedIn Learning. Check the episode description for links to things we mentioned in the show. And don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom built, or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. See you next time. Mm-hmm.